listening to a Clovis Hills podcast. You're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. Good morning, Hills family. How we doing? Yeah. Hey. All right. I want to uh, first and foremost say good morning to those of you that are watching with our online community. Uh, those of you that are in the blend right now in our venue, I went in there and I was worshiping with them for, for a little bit. And I always want to encourage you if uh, you ever want to try out 1030 in the blend. I do know on Easter Sunday, they're giving out free smoothies in the blend. You don't get that here. So um, <laughs> they really are. It's, I, 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 might, I might preach there so I can get a free smoothie. So anyways... Uh, good morning to those of you that are in Old Town, Novato, Porterville, Tulare Street. What's up to everyone uh, from our Hills family? We're glad you guys are with us. And I'm glad you guys are here today. It's awesome. I'm glad we're all here. So, hey, I want to p- plug a couple things. One, I want to invite you. If you live here in the Central Valley in town, um, this Tuesday night, we do something called Dessert with the Pastors. I would love to meet you. Um, it's here in the lobby at the North Campus, and we just do dessert. And you come, you hang out, I get to hear kind of your story, you get to hear mine, you hear a little bit about the church, uh, a lot of the staff pastors are there, and it's just a great way to kind of get to know, get to know um, each other, so I'd love to have you there. Love it if you RSVP, you can do that by, through the app or through the website, or if you just want to show up, we always have lots of dessert, it's a good time. So I, I encourage, encourage you to come to that. I'm plugging one other thing. The, um, we've been doing a web series called the Veritas Series where um, we really wanted to kind of go deeper into some things, where you may not be able to go like super deep. We go as deep as we can on a Sunday morning, but there's times where we just really want to dive in. And we're releasing another one this week on YouTube on Thursday. And uh, I interview um, Dr. Mark Strauss, who is uh, a world-renowned New Testament scholar. And he is brilliant. And we actually have a special guest that's on there, uh, a voice from the past is helping us interview him, Pastor John Annan. Some of you remember him. He's on there, so make sure you watch it. Pastor John may or may not have thrown me under the bus in that interview, so you... you You'll, you'll have to check it out. But Dr. Strauss has written um, all kinds of textbooks for seminaries, and, and he's an editor of the NIV Bible, the New Testament, like, you know, just a few things. And then, but he has this, like, uncanny ability to take really complex subjects and make them super simple and to, to where we can all get them. He takes, them off, takes the cookies off the top shelf and lets them all eat us. Let us all, no, cookies don't eat us. We eat cookies. <laughs> Sorry. So anyways, I encourage you to watch that. Um, Months ago at my house, in my backyard, I've got these, actually it's on the side of my yard, I've got these crazy bushes that line my whole fence. And they're thorny and they've been growing out of control. And every week I'm like, I gotta cut those, I gotta cut those. So months ago I bought some gloves. I went to Ace and I bought some gloves. And the gloves still have not cut them. Every week, I would look at the glove and go, why will you not cut the hedges? Trim the hedges. Worthless gloves, right? They don't trim hedges for me. Oh, that's right. For a glove to be useful, it has to be filled, right? It doesn't work unless it's filled with something. And then once it is filled, you can go, and I know some of you are like, why are you wearing gloves? Oh, he's a pastor, he has soft hands. I know, get off it, manly men. 
okay? But when you fill the glove, these bushes have thorns in them. They hurt my little soft hands. I do have little hands too, like little elf hands. I, you're all looking now, and you might as well look, gander. I'm going to write a book called Small Hands, Huge Impact. But anyway, so <laughs> you, you can't, the glove will not do its work unless it's filled. Now, I would preach with one glove on and just be like, you know, and do that kind of thing, but it's distracting. But I, I bring these up here to make a point that the gloves are pretty much useless unless they're filled. So we've been doing this series. We started it last week in the book of Acts. It's called Full Send. And we talked about how um, Jesus, he leaves the instructions he, to, to the disciples. He says, wait here in Jerusalem. So Jesus resurrected for about 40 days. He was with the disciples. And then he ascended to the Father. But before he ascended to the Father, he said, wait here in Jerusalem. Don't go home. Don't go back to Galilee where you guys all live. Wait here in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And they, they, they kind of knew what he meant, but they didn't fully know what that meant. See, in the Old Testament, before Jesus... Um, you would find the Holy Spirit would come on someone and fill them and they would prophesy or they would do God's work and then it would leave them, right? That happened to, to Saul. It happened to David. David in Psalm um, 51, he says, um, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation, right? But so, so they understood that concept of, of the Holy Spirit filling someone to do God's work and then leaving. But Jesus is about to give them the Holy Spirit permanently. That anyone who would call in the name of Jesus would then have the ability to be full of God's Spirit and be useful for God's kingdom. So they waited and 10 days later, there was this Jewish, Jewish festival called Pentecost. And people would come from all around, Jewish people from all over the world, Gentiles who had converted to Ju Judaism from all over the world, and usually a good Jew, someone who practiced Judaism, tried to get to Jerusalem at least once a year, if not twice a year, to celebrate one of the high holy days, and Pentecost was one of them. 50 days earlier was um, the Passover. And then Pentecost was this, this day that God, they celebrated that God had given the Torah to the Jews through Moses. So they're there in Jerusalem. There's people from all over the world there. And they're waiting. And they're praying. And they're actually in a room. It's, they call it an upper room. And the way it works in, in Jewish culture is an upper room is kind of like a fat family gathering place. It's where once a year a family might come together um, and they would either rent the room or if your family had money, they owned an upper room. And you would remember the, um, all your relatives that had died. You would do the, the, the holy feast together. You'd kind of have a party. You'd hang out. You'd do your thing. And you would worship God together in these upper rooms. Well, the, the believers are all there. They're waiting and this is where the Holy Spirit comes, and it's the birth of the church. So I'm going to read to you today from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. It's a long one, people. So I'm going to ask you to stand, because some of you look pretty sleepy anyways. So whatever room you're in, I'd, I'd love it if you would stand in honor of God's word. as We read from the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these all who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and all the parts of, of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, ah, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below. Blood, fire, billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming and the great glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. Oh, we got a lively bunch in this room right here. It's good. I, I want to remind those of you that are in other campuses, it's okay to hoot and holler at the, at the, at the screen. I hear you. I don't really hear you. But it is, makes the service way more fun when you do that. Amen? Okay, so, so listen. Um, if you have the Clovis Hills app, you can look at an outline if you like taking notes and you're that kind of person. But I, I want to I get right to it. Um, one, you have to understand what's going on here. As they all came to Jerusalem, um, in the ancient world... One, when the Holy Spirit came, they all got up and they all started speaking the gospel in other languages, declaring the works of God in, in other languages. Everyone that was in J Jerusalem at that time, they were converts to Judaism or they were Jewish. Everyone that was there that came out, they heard their own language being spoken, but they understood Hebrew or they understood Aramaic and they for sure understood Greek because that was kind of the common trade language of the ancient world. And if they were worshipers of the one true God, Yahweh, the God of Israel, they probably knew some Hebrew too. So these people didn't need to get up and declare the wonders of God in all of these, these native tongues. God did this to show that he was in it, that he was there. He filled them with the Spirit, and they got up, and they began to proclaim the, the, the wonders of God. So here's what I want you to understand. Miracles 
are not just things that happen in the Bible. Miracles still happen today. God still works today. Now, I, I want you to understand something. Miracles by nature are rare. There are people that think they can just conjure them up like, I'll just get some more faith. And No, it doesn't work that way. God is the one that does the miracles, and he still does them. He's, he's still moving. He's still at work. They have not ceased, but we are not in charge of them. God is in charge of them. We are conduits of them, and a miracle is not so we can all go, Wow, oh my gosh, I got a, oh, did you see that? that? That is not why God does miracles. That is not why God works. God performs miracles so that Jesus can be lifted up, the gospel can be preached. That is the very purpose of them. And sometimes what happens is there's some Christian traditions and they can tend to kind of like, like the miracles are more important than the lifting of Jesus. And if a miracle didn't happen or we didn't fake a miracle, then Jesus didn't get lifted up. And I want you to know something. Jesus will be lifted up whether you do it or not. So you don't have to conjure it up. So look what it says in verse 14 and 15 of this passage. It says that after the tongues of fire kind of, well, actually put it away. I, I apologize. Put that scripture away. I'll get back to it. They're all praying, boom, windows fly open and just, and the tongues of fire. What is that? What does that even look like? I want you to think about that for a minute. Luke is trying to explain something that he has no idea what it is and we have no idea what it is. So he's trying to give us an, what he, he thought it looked like. I want you to imagine you went to a tribe in Papua New Guinea. That they, I mean, there's tribes in Papua New Guinea that still live in the Stone Age. Like they literally operate in the Stone Age. And you went to Papua New Guinea and you tried to explain to them what this is. And they looked at it and they said, well, what is this? And you're like, it's a light. And they said, what's a light? Well, it's actually a light bulb. Well, what's a light bulb? Well, it gives light. Well, what is light? You know the thing that comes from the sun? That's light. They said, oh, it's a sun? I don't see any light coming from it, from your little mini sun that you hold in your hand. Well, electricity has got to go to it. And when electricity goes to it, then it shines like the sun. Well, what is electricity? <laughs> well, it's this invisible power. Well, how does it get there? Through wires. What are wires? They're like vines. So you're trying to tell me an invisible power flows through vines to a little mini sun. And then it lights up like the sun. Yeah, you're crazy. Right? But this is what modern people do sometimes when they read the Bible. They're like, tongues of fire, that couldn't happen. Could it be that your knowledge of the supernatural is limited? Because that's the reality going on with all of us. Is Luke is trying to explain something he can't wrap his brain around that the early believers couldn't wrap their brain around. All the people in that room, they probably explained it differently. Some people are like, yeah, it was like a tongue, but it was on fire. And other people are like, no, my baby Jesus was like, a, you know, on and on and on. They're trying to explain that God came. The Holy Spirit came on the room. And now look at 14 and 15. I apologize to my man in the, in the tech booth. It says, then Peter stood up with the 11 and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. And he, now he's speaking in either Hebrew or Greek. 
Let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. That's the other thing that'll happen. Whenever God does a work in your life, there will always be people, when the Spirit of God moves in you, there will always be people that doubt it. That's okay. That, that's just what's going to happen. You just don't get hurt by it. Just, yeah, okay. The, the doubt, they're going to believe it when they see it. There's nothing wrong with that. We're very similar. But you're going to get some hate is what's going to happen. And he says, they're not, they're not drunk. He says, these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So what we need to understand is when the Holy Spirit came on the church, the church was born, it came, it came upon them. And then Peter goes on and he begins to explain. He preaches a sermon. He explains um, a passage out of the prophet Joel that was prophesying that this day would happen, that God's spirit would come and dwell in people. And, and he would be our God on all people, not just Jewish people, not just Jewish men, all people, men and women, young and old, all people, that anyone who called on the name of the Lord would be saved. And he, he, he preaches this sermon. And um, many call this in the Bible the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon someone. But I want you to understand something. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is not like a, when you get like a, you know, or you come to church and you get moved to tears by a song or the pastor preaches a sermon where you feel like he's got a camera in your house and he's watching you. That's not baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not a feeling. I need you to understand something. Really what it is is when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be a witness to who Jesus is. That's what the Bible says. I love pastor's kids. Pastor's kids, they, they know how to navigate church way quicker than the rest of us. And um, a great example. So um, at our Old Town campus, Pastor Dwayne Coleman is a pastor's kid. And like he just sifts through it way quicker. And you talk to a pastor's kid, right? We may have a great service today. And people are like, oh, we had church today. And it was great. I got warm fuzzies. And oh, Holy Spirit was there. I felt him in the room. And a pastor's kid's like, well, no, the band was really good. (laughs) Or no, the pastor had a good sermon that time. And the Holy Spirit can be working through all of that. But the Holy Spirit is not a warm fuzzy. It is God the God of the universe dwelling in you, empowering you to lift Jesus up. And if you don't lift Jesus up in your life, that's all you are. Dang, it got awkward in the room, didn't it? <laughs> so, so why the, why the tongues? Well, the other thing that God is doing is he, he wanted the gospel to be preached in someone's heart language. That if you speak Spanish, you may understand English, but if you grew up speaking Spanish, that's your heart language, right? If, if, if you grew up speaking Tagalog in the Philippines, that's your heart language. So God, God, God wanted to bring it there. The reason miracles, God does miracles is so that the good, number two, the good news would be preached. That the Son of Man be lifted up. Right? That we would, you, you'll receive the Holy Spirit so you get warm fuzzies? Is that what Jesus said? Wait here in Jerusalem, you'll receive the Holy Spirit so you feel good about yourself. Oh no, it didn't say that, did it? Wait here in Jerusalem and you'll receive the Holy Spirit so that you can live your best life now. Didn't say that either, did it? Wait here in Jerusalem and you'll receive the Holy Spirit so you can get your breakthrough. It didn't say that, did it? 
It said, wait here in Jerusalem and you will receive the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. Can I get a witness? That's the whole point is to tell people about Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do, to lift up Jesus. This is what the Holy Spirit has done since the beginning of time is he's been lifting up Jesus in the Trinity. The Spirit lifts up the Son. The Son lifts up the Father. The Father, they all are in this co-equal submission to one another. And here's what happens. Look, look what happens in verse 22 through 24. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to you by God, by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. See, Peter, after this miracle, starts preaching the gospel. He starts telling people about Jesus. The gospel is really simple. It's so simple, um, every one of us in this room could, could, could tell it to someone. It's that God loved humanity so much and our sin had separated us from him that he sent Jesus. That Jesus lived a perfect sin-free life in our place. And he died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again and he's coming again. And the Bible says that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. It's that easy. And he preaches that message. And, and here's what happens. When that message is preached and the spirit is moving, people repent. People repent. Uh, repent. I wish I could get into that word more. But let, let, me, let me explain to you um, what repentance is. It's really simple. It's not a bad thing. If you're a Christian, you probably should be repenting every day. How many of you, you probably sin every day? Show of hands. You on TV, you better be raising your hand. <laughs> the truth is, we all do. So I'm going to be honest. Every morning, I, I, I sit in the same chair. I pull out a journal. I begin to pray. Um, and and one, one of the things I do is I get to a place where I just confess my sins to God. And sometimes I don't even know if I sinned or not. Sometimes, I, sometimes you, you know, right? It's one of those mornings. You know. But I'll, I'll say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. If, Holy Spirit, if I have sin that I need to confess, please reveal it to me. And I'll just sit quietly, and if nothing pops up, I still say, Lord, I know there's probably something in me. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me. And I'm forgiven. And every day I repent. And repentance is a good thing. It means I was going this way, but now I'm going to go your way, God. I went my own way, and now I'm going to go yours. And when you read the Bible... From Genesis to Revelation, you find time and time again, God's people always have this, were prone to wander. And God knew that. And he's not mad at you. He just wants you to turn around and come back to him. This is why I honestly believe this. Um, church attendance is, is essential. Like Sometimes we need someone to be like, come on, come home. Because it's what we do. We need each other. So look what it says in verse 36 and 37. It says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured 
of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And, it said, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what do we do? What shall we do? See, there's this, there's this moment that happens in the life of a believer. And it, it's usually, you know you have the Holy Spirit. So here, here's the thing. After I repent, I always ask God, I say, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Here's, here's what happened. When the Holy Spirit came on, on the church, when, when it came upon believers, God said he would never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said he would never leave you. He said he'd always be with you. And the Holy Spirit, once you're a believer in Jesus, you always have the Holy Spirit, but you can very easily not be full of the Holy Spirit. Because if you are sinning, if you sin against God, the Holy Spirit goes, oh, okay, Sean, I'm gonna take his back seat to you if you wanna drive. If you want to live life your way, you want to go your way, I'll just be right back here. And, and, you know, I'll gladly refund your misery when you want to repent. And some people go years and years and years going their own way. And, they want, and they're like, I tried Jesus. He didn't do anything for me. No, you tried magic pill Jesus. And then you kept going your way. But when you do this thing called repent, it just means turning your heart back to him. That's when you can become, the Spirit fills you again. That the Holy Spirit of God, that God takes a front seat. The glove is useless if it's not filled. The glove will never, my hedges will never be trimmed until I fill the glove. A.W. Tozer, who was a theologian, a pastor a long time ago, about 100 years ago, um, he made this point about the Holy Spirit. See, that day at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the church, and, um, and he said this 100 years ago. So He said, much of what we do as a church today, if the Holy Spirit left, we wouldn't even notice. It's kind of true. Like you can come to church without the Holy Spirit and we'll still sing some songs and there might, maybe it'll be a good sermon. And you may get a whoo, or you may not. And 95% of what the church does just keeps going on. But in the early church, if the Holy Spirit left the room, nothing happened. And this is what happens when you become dependent on the Spirit of God. It changes you. It does something. See, and God calls all believers, anyone, to, to, on a regular basis to repent. There's nothing wrong with, like, repenting of your sin. That's a good thing. As a matter of fact, that's a thing we should cheer whenever someone does that here. Amen? Amen. Typically in church, we go, oh, good for you. I would never cheer. I would never sin. So, in a moment, if you're a believer, we're going to pray, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to just come home to God. He's not mad. He's not mad. He just said, okay, how's that working for you? Living life your way instead of mine. Carrying your own yoke when my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How heavy is that one? And when you're tired dragging that one and you realize it's not doing anything, 
You can take mine. And for some of you, like you've gone to church before, but you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that too. It says in John, First um, John one twelve, uh, but it, or in John one twelve, but as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, he's given them the right to become children of God. It says in Revelation three twenty, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone listens, I will be with him. And what happens is when you open your heart and you invite Christ in. All of a sudden now the Holy Spirit of God has the ability to live in you because your sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. And you have this ability to walk with God now. And, and God will never let go of you. He'll never forsake you. As a matter of fact, last service, we, there, there were tons of people that, that made that decision. It was crazy. Normally, like at, at some of these services I preach at, like I'm looking out there, I'm like, oh, no one's going to heaven this week. Because you're all like, no one's going to sing this. No one's going to worship Jesus this way because you're like, you didn't give me warm fuzzies, Pastor. Listen. And this one girl, she came forward and afterwards, like it was her decision to follow Jesus that day. And um, well, what is this? I'm thinking of something orange. It's orange, right? It's not an orange. This is an orange tree. Inside this orange is another orange tree that can bear thousands of more orange trees. Thousands of more. It is a container that holds an orange tree that also contains delicious juice in it. But here's what happens. When you receive Jesus, God puts his spirit in you and you become more than just a container for a soul. You carry the spirit of God in you wherever you go. God begins to change you. So, I think my son did this. They wrote BD sucks on the orange when I walked out. I looked at it. That's pretty funny. So anyways, this girl came forward and afterwards I said, you accepted Jesus today first time. She said, yeah, I did. And I had this one. And this is a seed. This is a palm tree, believe it or not. This is a massive palm tree. 30 feet in the air. And you say, no, it's a seed. And I say, no, it's a palm tree. And in the same way, when you receive Jesus, when you follow Jesus, here's what happens. The seed that was put in you, the spirit that was put in you in that be the beginning, when you made that first step, when you start to follow Jesus, this seed grows into something tall and grand and beautiful and it provides shade and it also puts junk in my pool. And it, but, but, but here's what I want you to know. For so many people, they come to church, they accept Jesus, and then they never follow him, and you're just a seed. But God has so much more for your life if you will be brave, if you will step into that. So we're going to pray. But Martin Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd he was a preacher in England a long time ago as well. And um, he asked his congregation one Sunday as he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's an old reformed Calvinist preacher. And, you know, and the tendency of, of that tradition is they can be Father, Son, Holy Bible instead of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And he was getting after him one Sunday and he said, I have only one question to ask you. If, you. if you got the Holy Spirit at your conversion, where in God's name is it? 
I read that and it hits, it cut me to the heart. So this morning, wherever you're at, I want to call you. If you're a believer in Jesus, I want to call you to belief in him. Back home to him. If you've never received Jesus before, we're going to pray in a moment. And you can do that. You can make that decision to follow Jesus. As he knocks at the door of your heart, you could have the courage and the faith to open that and say, I've been going my way, but I want yours, Jesus. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to trust that you're going to show me. And here's the the beauty of, of Jesus is he will. And there may be periods of time in your life where you're going your own way, but the Bible says once you are truly saved, once the Spirit of God has come in you, he will never leave you, he'll never forsake you, he'll step back and wait for you to follow him. And sometimes people think like, oh, but I feel bad for my sins and I want you to know something. That's like a normal thing all of us do. The prophet Isaiah, the guy that wrote Isaiah, like it's a big book in the Bible. He had a vision of God in Isaiah 6. And he, he, he said, I, I see the Lord seated on a throne and the train of his robe is filled with glory. And he's describing God and he's blown away by it. And do you know what his natural response was? This is Isaiah, a prophet, a man of God. He said it fell to his knees. He fell to his face and he said, away from me, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. But here's the good news of the gospel. God picks him up and says, get up, son. And he touches his lip with a coal. And he says, I have a word for you. I have something for you. Some of you, you feel so guilty in your sin. And I have a word for you this morning. God says, get up and follow me. I love you. I have a plan for you. I'm not mad at you. Stop listening to all those other voices that have told you you don't have it. I got you. So, so... So, that requires courage. So I'm gonna pray and in whatever venue you're at, whether you're online or in another place or you're here, if Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, invite him in. If you're a believer and you're anything like me and the cheese slid off your cracker spiritually, put it back on. It's okay to come forward if that's the case too and get prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, we celebrate that. Let's just take a moment and let's pray.